the scripture <laughs> for today's sermon is 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. This is God's word to us. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, my name is Kale uh, Freeman, and uh, I serve as one of the pastors here. And man, it is an honor to get to open the Word of God with you all today. Uh, let's pray, and then we'll get started. Uh, Father God, Lord, I just pray the words of Scripture, and Lord, I ask you that uh, the, the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart might be acceptable in your sight. And Lord, I pray that as we open up your word, and as we open up your scripture, and really just pour into what, what it actually says about itself, Lord, that we would all be changed. I pray, Lord, that we would see you in your will so clearly, and that we would see your scriptures so clearly. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, back in uh, 2012, I actually had the great uh, privilege of getting to study abroad through UCO. I got to go to this place called Amiens in France. It's like an hour north of Paris, an hour south of Belgium, and it uh, wasn't very far from Versailles as well. So I got to see like all the sights. I got to learn a lot of culture, a little bit of language. Uh, the food there is actually awesome. It's, it's not an exaggeration. If you've ever gotten a baguette at Target, that is not a baguette, okay? <laughs> it, uh, those things are amazing, okay? Uh, but there, there's so many good things about the trip, but there was also like a lot of hardships along the way as well. But the, the hardest part about it was actually a lack of a reliable um, internet source. Um, and, and I'm not like a gamer or anything like that. I actually had this really amazing, beautiful, and talented lady on the other side of the ocean that I was dating. Uh, that's my wife now. Many of you know her, Lindsay Freeman, but at the time she was Lindsay Aiken. And uh, we had been um, dating for about a year and a half, and we started talking about marriage a little bit, and I did the most sensible thing I could do, so I left the country for three and a half months, <laughs> which I would not suggest to you, but it did work out. Um, I got her. <laughs> but uh, that being said, we knew that it was going to be really hard on our relationship to not be in the same room together or like the same continent, so we decided that we were going to talk every single day. We are going to talk multiple times a day, but if nothing else, at least once a day we were going to talk. And the thing is, is, once we actually got over there, we started using this thing that none of y'all know about. It's called Skype. It's like Zoom before Zoom. And it just wouldn't work. Like, it works sometimes, but a lot of times we, we would just see like that still picture of the other person. And it's always like in the most like unflattering place, you know. Uh, and then sometimes we wouldn't even be able to hear one another. We'd make an international call the same day. It'd be like every other word you would get. I mean, it was just absolutely terrible. And whenever we were trying to do this, we could really feel the strain on us because we felt that our relationship was really being disrupted uh, because our conversation was being disrupted. It's like, you know, to, to, to know and to be known, you have to actually have to communicate 
with another person. And of course, we all know what that's like. I mean, just think about like that college buddy of yours that moved off to another town and you're like, yeah, we're going to really stay tight and everything like that. But, you know, just over time, the, the relationship has changed because it's been disrupted. And still, many of us know that feeling whenever a loved one has said um, that they're going to stop communication and they're going to do it on purpose to hurt us. We all know what that's like because we all have this deep-seated need in us to know and to be known. But what we're going to be talking about today is really how to establish and maintain a relationship, but we're not going to be talking about a relationship with others today so much as a relationship with the Lord. Today, we're going to be following and continuing on with our sermon series on rhythms of grace, and we're going to be talking about Scripture now, all throughout the Christian life, there's just a couple of, like, one-time events. Um, birth, rebirth, baptism, maybe marriage, death. That's about it. Um, but but there, there's a lot of habits that we are called to do throughout the Scriptures. There's a lot of rhythms we are called to do. And one of those, uh, most principally, is to make a rhythm of Scripture in our lives. Now, for me as a pastor to get up here and to uh, talk to you guys here in a church about it kind of feels kind of funny to me, to be perfectly honest, because there's, like, a tension um, like, on one hand, the scriptures, like, without them, like, we don't have anything. Like, like, we have nothing. Without the scripture, we don't know about Jesus, we don't know about God, we don't know his will for our life. We, we don't have a thing, so we have to unapologetically continue to go back to the scriptures again and again and again, and sometimes even talk about just the importance of them in our lives. And yet, at the same time, I know that there's probably a lot of you guys who are not going to be exactly shocked when by the end of this I say that we should make a rhythm of Scripture in our life and that Scripture is good, not bad, you know? So, so I feel that. Uh, I don't know if you feel that, but, you know, you probably do now. But I just want to point out to you really what we're trying to do here. Um, if, if it's your first time to hear all of these things, like I'm super glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you're hearing this. Uh, this is really good stuff that is from the scriptures themselves. But for the rest of us who maybe we've heard some of these things before, this is an opportunity to test our assumptions. Because no matter who you are or how long you've been following Jesus, if it's for five minutes or for 50 years, we all drift from the truth, little by little, unless we go back to the truth of God's word. So this is an opportunity to test your assumptions for yourself. Do I still view the word of God the way that God has actually explained it to be? Do I still interact with it the way that God has called me to do? Is it actually a grace in my life or is it a drudgery? All of these different things, it's a way for us to um, talk in definitions instead of terms, because if I just say a rhythm of reading in your life, everyone in here is going to have a different definition, a different idea of what that looks like. So we want to look at what God is calling us to today. So we're going to be all over the scripture today in order to talk about the scripture, but uh, if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and go to 2 Timothy 3, verses 14 through 17. We're going to come back to that quite a few times, so you can go ahead and turn there. We're going to talk about three things today. First of all, we're going to answer the question of, like, what are the scriptures in the first place? We want to make no assumptions. We want to say very clearly what we mean by the scriptures. Secondly, we're going to talk about what is the benefit of them? What is the grace to be had whenever we are um, interacting with the scriptures? And then finally, we'll talk about how we should actually do that. So um, let's read 2 Timothy 3, verse 14. This is Paul writing to one of his disciples, Timothy. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. 
All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching and for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. So, so first of all, what do we even mean whenever we say scripture? It's, it's literally the word is here in 2 Timothy. Well, the scriptures are God's revelation to us. The scriptures are God's revelation to us. Whenever we use the English word scripture, um, you know, outside of a church, it just means like a, like a sacred writing or a spiritual writing of some kind. And every major religion that I can think of has like their own scriptures. But I, I want to say specifically what we mean by our scriptures. And that's specifically the 66 different literary works that are found within the Bible. If, if you're new to church or haven't been around in a long time and, you know, you're holding this book, like, I, I want you to know that it is one book, certainly, but it's also a, a small library or a very large collection of literary works. And these things are just amazing. Like, as far as literature goes, they are masterpieces, and the genre is just like all over the place. Like you have like history, you have things predicting the future, you have poetry, you have uh, biography, wisdom literature. There, there's all kinds of things. And it's written by like about 40 different people over the course of about 1,500 years. And they're geographically dispersed. Most of them don't even know one another or know that each other is writing at the same time. And what's crazy is like one will be written by a king and then one will be written by, like, a fisherman or someone who, like, makes tents for a living. Like, it's, it's so diverse, and yet all together it tells one single story. It's a story that can be summed up in a few different ways, but at least one is in creation and fall and redemption and restoration. So, and it goes like this. Uh, God created the world and everything in it that was good, or in everything in it, and he called it good. And he put the man and the woman, the first people, in a perfect garden where he gave them a thousand yeses and only one no. And yet they decide to rebel against God. Maybe you've heard this uh, term called sin. And sin is, um, you know, it's, it's a hard term because so many people define it wrongly. But sin is very simply just rebellion against the will of God. It's rebellion against what God wants for us. And the man and the woman did this thing. And that actually separated them from God. Sin separates us from God. It's actually what we can see in Isaiah 59 too. It says that your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And we see it so clearly in the story of the garden. And what's crazy is we talk about how it's a grace that we are saved by faith, if you've heard that from Ephesians, but it, it's a grace that God continued to reveal himself to make this revelation. Whenever we say that scripture is revelation, we're not talking about the last book of the Bible that has the name revelation, right? We're talking about a revelation in that he's revealing himself. So he continues to reveal himself from Genesis all the way to Malachi, the entire Old Testament, until finally he gets to Jesus Christ, which Colossians 1.15 says that he is the image of the invisible God. He is the most complete revealing of God that he has given us. And in that revealing, he says, hey, I'm going to go, I'm going to take care of sin, and I'm going to destroy it forever. I'm going to die for it, and I'm going to prove it because I'm going to raise myself from the dead. And then he promises that one day everything will be restored, but even better, one day we'll actually be with him. And we will be able to see him in a way that we've never seen him before. We, he will be revealed to us in an even greater way, and we will be with him yet again. But we don't just believe that this is like a really cool story that a bunch of people are right about. We actually believe that this is the actual word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16, we just read it. It says, all scripture is breathed out by God. 
Now, if you have like an older translation, it might say all scripture is inspired by God. Both are great translations. They're just trying to make a, um, a sense of like this weird Greek term in there. It's called theonoustos. So it's a compound word. So thea, meaning God, noustos can mean spirit or breath, you know, because it's just weird like that. Um, so some translations will say, yeah, all scripture is inspired or inspirited. Some say um, all scripture is breathed out. But the, the point that they're trying to make in one form of language or the other is that in the same way that your diaphragm pushes air from your lungs through your larynx, through your mouth, and creates words, it's saying so in the same way the words of scripture are literally breathed out by him. They are his words. And what's crazy is we're not just taking guys' words for it. Um, in the sense that we just say, oh, well, that sounds really good, and man, they must have profited off of that a lot. The guy who wrote this literally went and died for it. He didn't get a thing out of it. And then the guy who wrote about him saying that he was scripture, Peter, also died for it. The people who wrote these things towards the end all died for the message and got no earthly good out of it. It's almost as if they literally saw a man rise from the dead. And this is why it is grace that we have them in the first place. Because of sin, we don't even deserve to be saved by Jesus. We'll talk about that more in a second. But even more so, we don't even deserve to know him. And yet, it's a grace that he's revealed himself through history, and he's revealed himself to us in his word. So I have to ask you, where else are you going other than the scriptures to know God and his will? Where else are you going to find out spiritual truth other than the scriptures to find God and his will. You know, um, like 10 years ago, whenever I started college, a lot of people would say things like, yeah, I'm a Christian and a Buddhist. And it's like, bro, <laughs> like you, you don't even know what either of those are about. Um, and no one really uh, that I know says that anymore. Um, but more often, it's like we find people that look really healthy, wealthy, and wise on Instagram or the Joe Rogan podcast. And we say, well, that guy has it figured out. I'm going to add that in, you know. And the problem with that is whenever you add to the word of God, you actually take away from the word of God. But still, a lot of you guys might just be that you don't really go anywhere to know about God. You're just kind of living off of like, well, whatever my spouse says occasionally. You come to church, and that's good, and you hear what a preacher says, which is great. But at the end of the day, you don't really go to the Word of God at all or anywhere else. So you make a patchwork and just kind of fill in the spaces, you know, with like, I assume God is like this or that. And what's funny is that God actually ends up a whole lot more like you than how he's actually said he is in his revealed word. So we all do this to a certain degree. We all drift. So where are you drifting to? Where do you go to other than the scriptures to know God or his will? But now that we've heard what the scriptures actually are, uh, let's now talk about what good they are for us or, or what grace they bring us. The, scripture, the scriptures are God's means of change in us. They're God's means of change in us. Check out 1 Peter 1, 23. It says, You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. Now, for sure, if you've ever read John 3, we are definitely um, born again by the Spirit, 100%, but we're also born again by the word of God, it says about itself. What it's saying is the actual message that we just talked about of creation, fall, redemption, restoration. This idea that if we put our faith in Jesus Christ, that we will be born again to a living hope. That is actually done through the word, the living and abiding word of God. It's not talking about that the actual pages or whatever kind of cover you have on your particular Bible that that's going to save or change or, or make us any different. It's the actual message that is within it. 
But it isn't just the thing that makes us born again and changes us. It's the thing that actively makes us more and more like the one who has saved us. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 says, All scripture is breathed out by God, and by the way, it's profitable for teaching and for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God, or we can say the woman of God, may be complete and equipped for every good work. So it is the word of God, and it's also good for something. It's profitable. It's profitable for teaching. If you go to another church and they open up a different book other than the Bible and teach from it, you need to leave because that thing is no longer a church anymore. This is uh, the word of God that we actually uh, uh, have profit from teaching from. Also, whenever we start to live in a way that is opposite of how Christ would have us and how Christ would point us towards, it is also the thing that is good for reproof and correction because it's God's words. To agree with it is to agree with God. To disagree with it is to disagree with God. But it's not just something that tells us no over and over. It's for training in righteousness. The idea here is that over and over, we actually are able to be trained to see ourselves and to live our, uh, our lives in a way where we're actually more and more like the one who has actually saved us. It says that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. It's not saying that you're going to be perfect if you read your Bible often. Uh, a, a lot of people have made that uh, a terrible assumption, and, you know, you can just ask that person, great, how's that working out for you, <laughs> you know? Um, but, no, what it is is that it, continuing to go back to it will actually make you more and more the person that God's actually calling you into for your joy and for his glory. So in many places, it's actually um, not just kind of still illegal, but it is very illegal in many places to distribute God's self-revelation, his, his revealing of himself and his, uh, and his will and his word. It's illegal to um, uh, bring about these Bibles into different places. Behind me is a map of uh, all these different countries that are color-coded where it's either uh, restricted heavily or it's completely illegal to give out other Bibles or to even have a Bible. So it's like orange is like highly restricted, red's in the middle, and uh, the dark ones are um, covert operations only. So people who are smuggling Bibles into these countries are risking their lives and their families, and they're risking, um, uh, in many cases, torture and imprisonment just to get the word of God to their people. And you just have to wonder, like, how could so many of these countries, how could that many governments be so scared of the Bible? Isn't it just a book? Of course, what it is is that the person who's smuggling in the Bible and Kim Jong-un of North Korea, they both believe the same thing. It's that if the people actually have this book, they're actually going to be changed. In supreme irony. So where do you need to be changed? Where do you want to be changed, by the way? Um, you know, the, the self-help industry um, with podcasts and books abounding and all that kind of stuff, we, we can hate on that all day, but um, it's a really good indication of the fact that almost everybody knows that they want to be changed in some way and that they want to be better, they want to uh, better themselves and all these things, but, but I have to ask you, where, where is God calling you to be changed? See, for some of you guys, you're, you're an absolute tyrant at home, like you go to work no one notices, you have extended family, no one notices, friends, these kind of things, but you get home and you're just an angry dude. And I don't say that to like lump you over the head with it. I know because I've been there as well that like you don't even necessarily like want to be that way, but you just find yourself flying off the handle over and over. And so that, I just have to ask you like, 
why haven't you gone to the tool that God has given you to actually change yourself? Now, there are some people in here who maybe this is your first time to hear, and I say like, hey, if you want to change, if you want to be more like Jesus, going to the Bible is a way to do it. But for so many people in here, it's like, you already know this is the tool to use, and you don't go to it. And I just have to ask you to process right now, why, why is that? Could it be that Kim Jong-un and dictators of the world actually believe that you'll be transformed by it more than you do? But one way or the other, we all have this problem to various degrees, and the question is, is where is God calling you to be changed, and are you going to his word, his tool to do it? But now that we've heard what the scriptures are and what they do for us, let's now talk about how we should interact with them. We should do that by devoting your life to the scriptures. We should devote our lives to the scriptures. The reason why we want to do that is because it's the greatest joy. To, to know the God of the universe who's perfect in every way, who, who knows everything, who created joy itself, and to also become more like him, like what else do we want to devote ourselves to? And I want to get just as practical as I can right here um, and, and really just try to help you guys out with like what does this even look like to devote your life to it because you know if you're sitting here you're probably like man I've devoted my life to a lot of things like career and family and these kind of things and l- let me just say like all those things are really good too um, what I'm about to say here is not that you should become a monk and read the bible like 12 hours a day and you know pray right um, though if you're able to you know ha- have at it but but for most of us God has given us families those are important God has given us jobs those are important and yet we still have to devote our lives to his word. Um, maybe you've tried it before and you're like, I don't see a lot of change in me. I don't, I don't see a lot of change in knowing God. And you've tried it a few days. And let me just say like, hey, I, I've been there as well. And it's, it's slow, but you see it over time. It's like my daughter right now is five and she's just now starting to use that language of um, whenever I get older, fill in the blank, or whenever I get bigger, um, she really wants to be as tall as dad, which is really great because that shows me that I'm still the favorite because my wife is basically the same height. Um, but, but it's good. It's good. I, and I like it. Um, and it'll end one day. But it's so funny right now. It's like every other morning she actually gets up and she comes and finds me. And first thing she says is like, dad, look at my legs. I got taller, you know. And of course, I'm like, yes, yes, you did. Eat your vegetables. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, the thing is, is like, if she's honest and I'm honest, like, honestly, like, neither of us can actually tell a difference. But we also know that growth has happened. But if, if we look at a photo of a year ago, like, those legs got way longer. It's really easy to see. And so it is whenever we go back to the scriptures, whenever we devote our lives to them. You can't see a big difference from the day to day. In fact, if you go home to your wife and you say, hey, I read this, I'm a changed man, she's probably going to be like, hey, we'll see, <laughs> you know. But, but the truth of the matter is, is if you continue in the word of God, he changes us in so many ways. And actually, everyone around us will see the difference in us and to see us as not in a legalistic way, but as a way of worship to be more like Jesus. So we need to interact with these scriptures on the daily. Deuteronomy 6 through 9, this is whenever... Um, you know, Moses gave what Jesus, uh, what Jesus called the greatest commandment to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, this one. And then he says this, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart and you shall teach them diligently to your children and you shall talk of them whenever you sit in your house and whenever you walk by the way, whenever you lie down and whenever you rise and you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and you shall, uh, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes and you shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Um, If we applied this very woodenly, we would say that whenever we're home, we need to only talk about the Bible with our kids 
never entertain a conversation about Paw Patrol. And um, also we need some sweet Deuteronomy 6 headgear and some like things tied around our arms. Um, and, and we could do that. But on this side of the cross, on this side of uh, the, the revealing of Jesus, it seems that the better application of this is actually that we should just keep the scriptures before us at all times, that we should be talking about it at all times, that we should truly be doing this in a way where it is uh, in our mouths and in our minds and our hearts on the daily and often. So how do we do that? Um, there are so many ways. I'm going to give you guys two. Two ways. Uh, first of all, that's by reading, by daily reading. I know that's going to be a shock to many of you guys, but, but, but hear me out here. Daily reading of the scriptures. I don't mean study. Study's important. That's another way. That's like getting really deep on like something and like really understanding things. But I'm just talking about just reading it on the daily is the thing that most people have found uh, actually changes them over time. And here's why. If you're going through the Bible in any amount of time, but you're just reading a new scripture every single day, what you're doing is, is you're actually learning more about Jesus and how you uh, are to be changed like him. Every single paragraph of scripture, even in the Old Testament, tells you something about Jesus because he fulfills it all. And he's the perfect representation of everything God has ever told us. So every single paragraph teaches us something about Jesus. So it's important for us to read through it, but... Um, for us to do this, we have to have a reading plan, and I'm going to be just super simple here. A reading plan at least involves a when and a what. A when and a what. It involves many other things as well, but it at least involves a when and a what. So the when. Um, you have to know when you're actually going to read your scriptures on the daily, um, unless you're like the unicorn in the room who has like no plan whatsoever but reads the scripture like two hours a day. If that's you, that's really good. That does not work for me. That doesn't work for most people that I know. For most people that I know and for myself, there has to be a time. For those of you who have a lot of control over your schedule, there needs to be a block of time where you know at 10 o'clock every day I read the scriptures. But for a lot of us, that doesn't really work out with our schedules. Instead, what we need to do is uh, within the rituals and the rhythms of our day, we know like, okay, I wake up, I help the kids get breakfast, I drink a cup of coffee, and I read the scripture or I put the kids down, and then I read the scripture. <laughs> or uh, during my lunch break, the first 30 minutes I read scripture. Whatever it may be, you just have to know that there's a time set aside for it. But then the other thing is the what. If you sit down and you're like, I don't know what I'm going to read, and you just open it up, like it, it's not, it doesn't tend to work out very well. Instead, to have intention of, uh, I'm going to read through the book of Mark, one chapter a day, until it's done. And after Mark, I'm going to do something else. I'm going to pick Ephesians, whatever it may be. But the thing is, is for many of you guys, you're in a particular season of life where like even a chapter a day might be difficult. For some of you moms who have like brand new babies, um, it might be a one proverb kind of day. You know what I'm saying? Um, whatever it may be, what we have to do is we have to say, where is my season of life? Where is my margin? And also, where is God actually calling me into to create more margin within my season of life to do this? That is what we have to do. But the second thing that we can do is by memorizing. We see this in the scriptures, Psalm 119, verse 11. It says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. This is in the context of the idea of having um, the word of God um, within our souls, within our minds in a way that we can actually um, know what is right and what is wrong and to avoid sin. And yet there's so many other contexts where this is helpful. Whenever that 
giant bill from the AC company shows up, <laughs> or whenever that diagnosis happens, and so many of you guys know what I'm talking about, and, and you just kind of wonder, like, where is God? What does he say about this? What do I do with this? But it's like, man, whenever you have it memorized, you're like, no, no, like, I, I know. I know what he says about this. I, I have this in my heart. It's good, it's good to carry one of these around as much as we can and read them, but, but to have it in your soul and locked away in your memory, you'll be astounded how often these things just pop up to your mind and are just absolutely, um, man, just, just relief to the soul on the hard days. So there's a couple of different ways to do it. My goodness, there's so many ways to do it. Some people really enjoy uh, note cards where they just like, you know, just carry it around with them. Brandon Hyde does this. He knows so much scripture that, that it's really good. Um, there, there's uh, other people who post it on their wall and they just read it every time they walk by. But for many of you guys, one of the most accessible ways to actually do this is through the power of melody and a sick beat. I'm just kidding. But, um, but, but for real though, the power of melody, you know, um, we can remember the words of songs so easily. And there's actually a lot of songs out there that are scripture um, that have been put to song. Um, if you already have a streaming service or a smartphone, like one of the easiest ways to do this is actually to check out the Versus Project. So the Versus Project, some of you guys already use it, apparently, uh, which is great. Um, this is a nonprofit uh, organization that's actually uh, co-founded by our very own Ryan Geekus, our worship director. You got no claps at the nine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so this is literally like, this is scripture put to really good music. There's like over 300 songs right now. If you already pay for Spotify or something, like it's, it's on there. It's a free app. And it's really good. It's the easiest way. Like if you want to learn every bit of Psalm 139, you have a trouble with that. They have an entire album. It's like 24 verses worth, right? And by the way, Ryan's super humble about it. I knew about this before I met him, and then I knew him for two years, and he didn't even mention it, that he was like co-founder. So uh, that being said, it's really good. It's really fantastic. But it doesn't matter if you use this or if you use a note card or if you just open up your Bible and you just keep reading the same verse over and over. If, if we're able to actually lock it into our soul, if we're actually able to lock it into our very selves, then whenever that hard day comes, Whenever that hard decision comes, you already know what it says, and you are able to meditate on it throughout your days and throughout your lives. So what you guys have heard today is that Scripture is the revelation of God. It's his revealing of himself to us. You've also heard that it's his, mean, his means to change us. It's, it's how we are born again. The message of the Word of God is how we are born again, but it's also how we become more like the one who has uh, saved us. And lastly, you heard that we got to devote our entire lives to this. Um, there's so many different uh, things that we can be devoted to. And it doesn't mean that it takes the most hours of your day, but you have to be absolutely devoted to it by interacting with it on the daily through reading and through memorization. So, um, man, if, if even half of our church actually did this every single day, even in small doses, we would be such a weird and awesome and amazing people in this city, I think we are in many ways, but man, if even half of us had the word of God in front of us on the daily, uh, man, so many things would come from that. So I just want to encourage you, um, if you're here today and you're thinking through like, 
do I read enough or do I memorize enough? None of it is within the, the scope of shame, but it's really where is God calling you into? Is he calling you to know him more, to be more like him? The, the odds are, by the way, yeah, he is. <laughs> it's just a matter of how is he uh, calling you to that? So let's pray. Um, Father God, Lord, your word is so good. And Lord, we, we thank you that it even talks about itself through so many authors, through so many years, and Lord, it's your, it's your word. Father, we pray that um, as we continue in our faith, as we continue in our knowledge of you, that we would continue to go back to it again and again and again and be changed. Lord, we pray these things in your name. Amen.